Welcome to Tech Talk Nation, talking about the latest tech, industry news, and hot topics. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Visit our website at techtalknation.com. Good evening and welcome to Tech Talk Nation. I'm your host, Matt Fitzgerald, and we have a wonderful show for you tonight. We're going to be talking about everything from uh, some lackluster features of iOS 15 all the way through a bunch of more Apple Saga with the CSAM issue, going all the way to uh, a new cryptocurrency becoming an actual official currency, and then Instagram being for kids? So... Without further ado, we have a lot to get to tonight, so I am once again joined by my co-hosts here, Matt Grislow and Ryan Eastman. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing well. Good. It's fall. Happy fall, everyone. It is fall. Happy oh, it fall. Is fall. Huh. Yeah. Who'd, who'd have thunk? Well... Anyway, um, before we get into it, I know Grizzlo wanted to uh, talk a little bit about social media and uh, once again, let you guys know we're online. Yup. So thanks for tuning in live, everyone that's tuning in right now. Um, we appreciate every one of you. Um, if you could please follow us on our social media, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. At Facebook, we're at Tech Talk Nation Show, Instagram at Tech Talk Nation. And Twitter at Tech Talk Nations, that's Tech Talk Nation with an S. Um, we are also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, any of the other major podcast sites. Um, if you want to check us out after the show, I really hope my video didn't freeze on that note because it uh -oh. looks horrible on my end. Um, Give me what here. Let's just try that. Me. Okay. All right. We're good. We're good. Um, please, you know, think about subscribing. And hitting that bell for post notifications. We're trying to get a semi-regular schedule. We're on a Monday now. I think we want to keep that trend going. Um, I'm trying to do my best to post on social media uh, on our stories, the days that we are live. So if you saw us two weeks ago and today, there's something up on our story as well as on our feed on social media, on Instagram, and I think Facebook too, um, and then post on Twitter as well. So that's all this uh, social media stuff. But yeah, like, share, subscribe, and uh, let's get into the show. Alrighty, thank you very much for that. I, I feel like it gets longer every single time. I don't know why. But anyway, <laughs> if you know this guy in person. There's always more content. There's there always you go. more content. There you go. Well, the first story we have for you tonight is a follow-up to the seemingly never-ending saga of Apple's CSAM image scanning uh, feature that they were hoping to just uh, release to everybody. Um, there's a new article that came out on Gizmodo here, um, basically saying that Apple has been scanning your iCloud mail for child abuse images since 2019. And in a report, um, to 9to5Mac, basically they confirm that they've been scanning all of the email that comes through their servers unencrypted. So I want to get your guys' take on this. In my opinion, um... I think it's completely okay if they do this, it's on their server and you are using their service to transmit that. That's not okay. I understand why they would want to scan that. Yeah. I'm with Fitz on this one. I have a yes, but okay. I get oh. why they're doing it for this. What about, cause I believe if I remember correctly, when you have an iPhone, your texts get sent through iCloud. Yes. So does that implicitly yeah. give them the ability to scan your text messages as well? 
Interesting. They they do say in this mm. in this uh confirmation it says they've been scanning outgoing and incoming iCloud mail since 2019. Well, yeah, yeah. well hold on for a second. I know that they don't the email the email hold isn't on. encrypted. The the texts are from my understanding. Yeah, and we don't send as far as I can understand as the resident Apple person. We don't send messages over iCloud. You yeah, can yeah. save them in iCloud. They use you back them up. They iCloud, use iCloud's uh, the message it's broker. The backbone of how you do it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. because well, you have your text message that's going through yeah. cell tower SMS. iMessage is technically using data to send the same yes. message. And I can tell you, as someone who has tried to, who at one point uh, broke his phone and had to like borrow my family's old iPhone, uh, when you try to switch back, you can't text. Because they've like subverted your like SMS ability, and there's a whole process that you have to go through to get it off. I think they've made it easier since before mm-hmm. when it used to take forever. But right, so basically, so your texts are going through their servers, though, is what I'm saying. So mm-hmm. because all of all of the iMessage messages are getting sent to Apple to whoever else. There, there, there's Apple's the big middleman here. That's that's still making the connection between the two devices. Um, I'm I'm not entirely sure how the intricacies of how it all works, but I do know that whenever you do send an iMessage, that does go through one of Apple's servers or at least some yeah. sort of message broker to get to the other device. Yes. Mm. I mean, I don't, I don't know if the content stays on their servers or if basically all it says is, Hey, this device is here. Go there. Like, yeah. Cause there's a couple options. It could be the, uh, tour setup in which case everyone is blind except for the sender or receiver, or it could literally be a broker. You send the message to the server and then the server re-encrypts it and sends it off to the phone after decrypting it. It could be either of the two. I know. Uh, this is tangential, and this might intersect with some Facebook talk later. But I know WhatsApp, they recently, that was bought by Facebook, uh, got exposed as well for, supposedly, they were like, oh, yeah, your messages are encrypted. Uh, no, WhatsApp has been scanning them. Hmm. hmm. So that's my kind of yes, but. I kind of get the email one a little bit, I don't know, because... I don't know. I think of email differently than text for some reason. Right. I mean, email is what, 40, 50 years yeah. old at this point? Like, And that's that might also be because I think of email as server side mm-hmm. for the most part, because that's how a lot of people manage their email is it's on a server versus like text, which I think of as phone side, mostly. Like it's on your phone. It's not on a server. It's right. Usually, how I think about text. And I'm I'm trying to find a an article here that goes into a little bit more of the technical details. But it says um, people can never force their way into iMessages. They are end to end encrypted. Um, but there's there's nothing that says the the server yeah. side requirements that Apple uses to do this this platform to use their iMessage platform. Um, it, yeah, so here, we, here's, here's something interesting. It says it used to be possible to retrieve deleted iMessages from iCloud.com, but now that isn't the case. Uh, there's only two messages, ways to get your 
delete a messages back, recover a backup, or use a third-party data recovery. So mm. that begs the question, do they store that data somewhere? Who knows? Maybe. Regardless of that, is my question is, are, are they scanning that too? Because hmm. they can. I don't know how their infrastructure is set up. I don't know if they... And that's that's like the big unknown here. Is, but... That's the big unknown. Like, is yeah, this and... infrastructure set up to where they can scan this, where they can yeah, do and all that, of this? That dovetails into my original thoughts on the whole CSAM thing. Like, I get why you're doing it, but I can see how once, you know, you do it for this purpose, how this can be expanded to another purpose and another purpose and another purpose. Right. I agree. I agree. It's it's so a slippery know. slope. Um if it's if it's on your like if it's on their server side hardware. Yeah, server side's this whole okay. tricky thing. Right, like I understand if you don't want to store that, it's you assign you agree to a terms of service when you sign up for the thing saying that you can't do X thing, they catch you doing X thing. They have every right to do whatever they want, well, whatever they want on within the bounds of their platform to you in my opinion. Yeah, digital messaging and all that's real tricky because, like, right. if something's server-side, is it yours? If it's on your computer, is it yours then? Like, that whole, like, how property rights and all that intersects with that's surprisingly, like, complex and when you get into weird cases. Right, right. Well, we had a very, very intense discussion on this a couple weeks back in one of our past episodes here about um, Apple's... Um, decision to do this but another decision that was really interesting here um was a article that uh i i found a reddit post about a tweet and then grislo sent me the actual news article for the reddit post for the tweet um and long story short this boils down to a alleged a mm. issue with flick type and the ios or the watch os um, keyboard design that's new. Long story short, the developer of a app called FlickType um, was where you could uh, swipe around and um, type on a Apple Watch very easily. Uh, was uh, given, I, I guess, an ultimatum by Apple that he could not post his app and was getting rejected with app reviews and um, all sorts of issues. And then uh, Apple turned around and released basically the exact same feature in the new Apple Watch. Um, so I don't know. Is this just another case of Apple uh, saying this is mine now? Or is the developer in his right to be be angry in this situation? So <clears throat> I this is my take on it. Um, if we're talking like, I don't know, four generations ago and, um, you know, someone gets blocked for, for this keyboard app on their watch and Apple's uh, screens on their watches were already so small that it just really didn't make sense from that keyboards. Um, that, that would make sense if, if that was just the status quo and that was the status quo, whatever, fine. Um, to come back around a year and a half later and then unveil that as a new feature exclusively on the new Apple Watches, which I have my own problems with. Um, we'll we'll, get, we'll to get to that. Later. We'll get to that. <laughs> I'll get to that later. Um, and it's specifically on that. But for them to come around and do that, I think is pretty petty. Um, not to mention just how similar the uh, designs are. Now, I understand, like, 
with however many square inches of real estate on a watch, what can you really do to innovate? And it's a keyboard, right? I mean, unless you're doing some wild configuration of keys, it's just going to be the same. Um, so I, I definitely find and take issue with that, especially because they've been touting third-party keyboards for at least four or so years, if not five years now going on with iOS, uh, with iOS. Um, yeah, I don't know why they would squash it. I believe now you can still put it on Apple watches or their, their, so their app. They pulled but... it out of the app store. They released, they released a new version, removing all features from the app. Basically it's just a dud app at that point. Mm. So, yeah, then, uh, but respectfully, uh, Apple screw you. <laughs> like why? Okay, can why we can we make a will, can we make I will say disrespectfully Apple screw you. Uh <laughs> <laughs> But the the uh, other thing that I find really interesting, sorry to cut you off here Ryan, one, one second. Um basically the the developer got so fed up with the way that they re- kept on rejecting his app reviews and all that stuff. Um he's he's turning it into almost a learning experience for Apple too to be like, "Hey, let us know why we were rejected, why we're doing this, and let us review this with you so we can make our app work better, basically. Yep. So ki- kind of kind of trying to make the best out of the terrible situation, which I, I applaud that developer for. Yeah. Excuse me. Uh, we covered something vaguely similar, I think, uh, four weeks ago? I can't remember what it was, but I know we had had a discussion and during which I had brought up, like, by Apple having this kind of like, hey, we won't let you have any apps that we don't approve of on our whatevers, uh, you run into the situation where they can just squash a competitor. And that's exactly what and happened here. That's what this looks like. I don't know if you charge for the keyboard or whatnot. Uh, I know it's it'll just be integrated into Apple's thing or whatever, but I had talked I think I had talked about it some other things. Here about, like, it says when flick type for Apple Watch did finally arrive. It became the number one paid app in the entire store, pulled in $130,000 in its first month. Wow. Named one I mean, of I Apple's top paid apps too. of 2020. I can understand why. I mean, at that yeah. point, like this, this is the watch that was out there. The one that I have, which is also why I'm still really upset about this. Um, <laughs> this is perfectly capable to have a keyboard on it, mind you, yep. Apple. Um, but I understand why. I want one. I want one so bad. Even just for the quick typing, it just yeah. short messages. I love Siri on here. Don't get me wrong. It's really good. Um, but I want to have that option. So I'm with you on the options thing, Ryan. Yeah, I had brought it up, I think, in the context of like making a comparison to if Apple bans Spotify. It was like my abstract comparison. Like, well, I guess everyone's using Apple Music now, which like, why, why can't I have Spotify on my phone now? And obviously right. they're not going to do that. That's a very, you know, well, I assume they're not going to do that. That's an extreme <laughs> I, I mean, to make We can hope. Uh, I'm taking well, it to an extreme to make a revenue. point, though. Yeah. I'm taking it to the extreme to make a point that by having us closed off, like, we won't let you under any circumstances uh, put whatever you want on your phone or on your watch, this situation arises where they can just put their boot down and say, you don't get to compete. Yeah, that's that's it. Have fun. Bye. Like yeah. it's 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 crazy too. And 
Uh, from what it seems like now, he did threaten another lawsuit. He did sue Apple back in 2019 or 2020, I believe, um, over this kind of a similar issue. But he's threatening another lawsuit, and he's um, trying to see if we like this has merit and talking to a couple lawyers and stuff like that. So we'll, we'll definitely have to keep an eye on it, on this and see if, if it pans out, excuse me, because I, I honestly don't know on this one. Does Apple as a organization have a right to incorporate this feature into their application into, into their software um, and just basically say, sorry to the to the developers like is that part of the agreements that the developers sign well, yeah if they had just incorporated it and not like banned them from the store yeah like if they would have like, bought them out them. yeah if but they, they didn't do that they just banned them and then made the feature right if they have just left them up and made the feature they probably still would have been okay it wouldn't have looked great but it would have been okay right i mean the timing the, the timing of it's a little suspect too i will say um, as they approached, he approached Apple in 2019 in February or so at that point, they've already got, you know, the next OS is locked in. They know all the features that are going on there at this point, they're probably just trying to get good proof of concepts ready for WWDC. And that summer they just work on the kinks. So they already kind of know what's coming down the pipeline at that point in February for the next release that hasn't even been announced. And I'm sure they had figured out that, okay, we're going to have a, a keyboard on here. We probably shouldn't have a really good, and this is speculation. They, they probably didn't know that feature was coming on the pipeline. And when they, they were approached by this, this company, this app, they said, yeah, we don't want this. And knowing full well that they were going to implement something like this in the near future, which is exactly what they did. Yeah. And this also doesn't look good in the context of, I can't remember what the legislation that Europe's staring down to force Apple to open up uh, their phones to be able to install mm -hmm. other apps. We we covered that. I remember, yeah, I remember briefly too. Uh, during Apple's press conference, I think it was two weeks ago. Uh, there was like a pre-show thing where Tim was being interviewed by some guy, and he had brought up uh, that legislation. Yeah, and it's just like with that, especially I think still being, I don't know whatever it is Europe does, in the EU court of law, whatever it is, we don't go, it's for them. And it does kind of bring to light, I guess that need to, I guess, require the ability for Apple to have some openness. Right. Right. Well, we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on that as we go through here the next couple of uh, weeks, because who knows, something will may come out here. The next article that I um, would like to talk about today is uh, thousands protest in El Salvador after Bitcoin was made its official currency. Now, this, this title is a tad misleading because their official currency is now Bitcoin and the American dollar. Um, but the thing that uh, kind of wanted to um, talk about here was a little bit more so on the economic side of things. Um, a lot of people were protesting this. A lot of uh, people were not very happy about this. But proponents of the... Um, Thank you for listening to Tech... There we go. There we go. <laughs> that was good. Uh, 
proponents of the bill here say that it will allow the um, it will allow the people who work abroad to send money easily to people in El Salvador, and it will uh, allow people who don't have official bank accounts to get into uh, banking. So I'm interested to hear your guys' thoughts on this one. Ryan, you want to go first? You are muted, sir. Uh, you are showing as muted. <laughs> Thank you. There you go. Uh, I don't know all the details around the legislation or what's exactly is or isn't going on. Uh, I know in the picture that you sent, it says something about 3%. So uh, I don't know what that's doing, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what that is entirely. But long story short, they said that the government, the government of El Salvador itself bought um where is it there was there was a the stat here uh bought 400 bitcoin for 21 million dollars uh for 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 the government and then bitcoin tanked 16% and then they bought another 150 <laughs> so oh that's kind of funny uh i can see a perspective to do this uh, a lot of times Bitcoin gets labeled as like a digital gold because of how it works. And for those who are not the most knowledgeable about history and economics, uh, we used to back up all of our currency with gold. Until we used 19- in the United States. Yes. I should specify that. Sorry. I keep forgetting the United States isn't the world. You know, it's <laughs> okay. It's there. the whole thing. <laughs> what do you mean? Don't we all run off Imperial? I'm pretty sure, yeah, that's how that works. But uh what are we one of three countries. What do you call it? Ah, I lost my train of thought. Hold on. Right, by so gold. We used to, yeah, yeah. So we were backed by gold up until I think it was like 39, 40. Mm. Somewhere World War II era era with FDR and then we cut silver out in the I think it's 64. But uh that used to be how we backed up currency and made sure that it was worth uh, what it was worth, basically. Uh, we don't do that now. We're in a pure fiat system with some vague oil backing through like the OPEC deals. This is an economics podcast, so I'm not going to spend two hours on this. But this is kind of like, to me, it's kind of a callback to trying to back up your currency with a hard asset to try and help with inflation. Right. The weird thing is that their currency is U.S. dollars, so they don't have control over the printing of that currency, which confuses me a little bit as to how this is going to work and how this is going to interact properly. Uh, Especially, to bring this back in economics for a second, uh, don't know what our inflation is right now off the top of my head. Uh, I know they changed the way they measure it in what looks like an attempt to obfuscate how much it is. But uh, it's very high at the moment, I'll tell you that much. Wouldn't so, doubt it. I'm not yeah. surprised, maybe, at them exploring a secondary thing to add into their currency supply. I, I guess in the question that I want to pose to you guys is, do you feel like it will provide value to that nation, um, especially with it being a Central American nation? No. They chose the wrong no. time, but yes. No. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, if, you, if you're asking what provides them value, 
all of a sudden switching to Bitcoin as one of your two forms of currency does not give value to the country. I mean, that's not going to help people who already don't have access to bank accounts. Um, it, it's just not going to help much. I, I, the one, I, I will say this, the one interesting upside to this is the ability to transfer money and to send money back. I think it was something like 25% of, of residents or like ex-residents or citizens send money back um, to the country. And so if there's less of a barrier to sending that money and there's uh, lower or non-existent transfer fees, then I can understand from an economic standpoint, standpoint that makes sense. Um, and when you ask the question of, does this actually help the country, then sure. Um, but from the very limited knowledge I have about El Salvador and in reading that article, um, it seems like they have bigger fish to fry than change their or one of their main currencies to Bitcoin. I also find it very funny that, and this is not something that we've only talked about today, that we're seeing a government trying to regulate an unregulated currency and a currency created so that it couldn't or wouldn't be regulated, especially by a government. Um <laughs> So, yeah, well, it, it's just weird. You, you have two ends of the spectrum here. You have China, who banned all cryptocurrency transactions. And then you have, it. yeah, and then you have this, where they're, they're embracing it. Um, so you, you have two completely yeah. different ends of the spectrum here. Yeah, there's a lot of legislation that will go into how much of a success this is or isn't. Right. Uh, I don't know what mining looks like in their country, what their energy prices look like. There's a lot of, like these weird complicating factors that are going to go into this, but uh, I don't hate the idea. Uh, it's weird to me that they're pairing it with US dollars. Uh, it almost seems to me you can kind of stabilize, I guess, uh, what's very quickly becoming a highly inflated currency that way. Interesting. But at the same time, it seems to me less effective when you don't have your own currency that you control to try and pair it with crypto, which is pretty volatile, I mean, admittedly. Right. Uh, pairing it with that seems like a weird combination to me. So I don't know what's like what their goal is, what the long-term outcome is. I kind of like it. It might help them, to be honest. Uh, I don't know if inflation rates right now are going to keep going at the staggering pace they're at, if it's going to get pulled back. I'm not in the government. I can't predict these things but if you know it keeps going down that lane bitcoin might look better long term because its inflation rate is a lot slower and i can still and it has a set uh limit interesting granted that set limit's very very high but it's still a set limit so yeah i agree you, you interesting can't, you can't print it forever good sure. point well that's a that's a lot to digest there. No what else is a lot to digest here is literally a uh like a zoom and enhance like the movies with Google's new AI. Uh so Grizzle, I'm gonna let you explain this one because you are super stoked to talk about it. There's okay. So this came out of one of those one off like swipe and you'll miss it type articles on Snapchat. And it came off as like a really kind of, not tongue in cheek, but just like a cool article. 
when reading this further, there are so many complex uh, ways of viewing this and articles that go along with understanding what's going on. But essentially, um, I believe it's Google. Google's using AI to unscramble and rescramble and also enhance the resolution of uh, pictures that are either smaller than the desired size or just weren't uh, gathering enough information in terms of like the pixels and things like that and the sensors in the time. So what this leads to is a few different scenarios. One, um, if this technology is uh, proven to work rather efficiently, which it seems like it is, at least for the job it's supposed to do, um, you could do things like exactly like what Fitz said, zoom and enhance, right? You know, you could you could take a picture or, or you know, a poor quality picture, especially like, I don't know, security footage, and then try and enhance the quality of the image to try and you know gather more information about what's in the picture. Another purpose, which honestly uh, would benefit more people this way, um, would be almost like a sort of picture restoration. Um, I was watching a podcast today, watching a video, and uh, there was like a dad who was going on and said that he only, like he will buy the newest iPhone every year just so that he has the best possible camera to take pictures of his kids because you can never go back and get better pictures of your kids. So following that logic, it, it really is interesting, not just for, you know, people who, who start with bad, you know, technology and they graduate to better stuff and, you know, they have pictures they want to restore. Um, but this, I think, is even more worth it for people who grew up in kind of like the, the renaissance or like the birth of digital cameras um, when the mega, the, the sensors yeah. weren't, weren't as good. And, you know, you, when you blow it up on a, on a 4K screen today or even 1080p, it just, it's not there. Um, especially if they can implement this into video for home videos or just any like old YouTube videos, um, especially because it's Google's technology. I can see this being very popular. And on top of that, I can see them doing this and I'll predict it here live uh, on Tech Talk Nation. It's a first. I'm going to predict that they're going to add something like this into their computational photography and cinematography in the future into their uh, new, new phones. It makes sense, keeps them ahead of the game, and it gives people a feature that they might not have been asking for, but if they had it, this would be a great reason for people to come uh, for their product. Even if they just offered it as a service, for example, like Google Photos, had it paid off for it. That's where I was gonna head in the direction of too, is hey, there's this new phone that they're custom making uh, AI cores for, what do you call it, machine learning mm -hmm. cores for. And they just had this cool feature where they can zoom and enhance. I mean, just stars are aligning together. And all right, yeah, it is. It is really cool. Uh, it's AI. It's taking guesses, which means guesses can be wrong. Right. Uh, and in the one caveat to the entire situation yeah, is they did the say caveat. in the article uh, they said, "Where is it?" Um, here is it. The end result, when the research presented the finalized images to people in a test, they chose the generated faces that were mistaken for real faces roughly half the time. While a 50% rate might not sound successful, it's in line what we would expect with a good algorithm. So, yeah. 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 It's, yeah. So, it's really cool. I like it. Uh, it's not like upscaling and all that isn't the newest piece of technology ever. Right. 
Uh, I don't know where so, your guys' knowledge of GPUs and all that is, but like their big feature now is being able to like upscale a lower resolution in real time so that the video game you're playing looks better than it is at that moment. So like you can play something with like let's say 2K frame rates, but it's in on a 4K screen. Like that's kind of the idea behind it. Right. Mm-hmm. And the other thing you, you mentioned kind of, it's not the newest thing. I remember seeing a lot of years ago, just kind of like some, some research project from um, what actually I think it was at, at Purdue. Um, and this, this person was using a um, TensorFlow, which is Google's AI stuff um, to enhance images. Granted, they, they would get to a certain point and then turn into garbage but that was just by the nature of the way AI yeah, worked yeah. at the time. But he was still able to enhance images uh, a little more sharply and better. It does seem like they've taken some leaps and made a lot of progress with it, though. Right. It's and cool. I like it. I hope it comes to their phone. I God, do, I too. So too. I do, too. That's... And, and... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Fitz. Oh, go ahead. I mean, I was saying, honestly... Um... Not that they're even close, coming close to, to Google, but um, with Apple kind of delving in, it seems like delving into this, um, what do we call this? This uh, AI cinematography or computational cinematography in oh, photography. Um, yeah. I, I think it just makes sense for, uh, for companies to try and find the next like cool feature that they can add via computational, um, again, cinematography, photography. Um, and I think this is the, this is it. This is like the next thing when you, right. when you ask, you know, a, a company for an, a new product and for new features and software. And, you know, they have that, you know, some, some will have like, and one more thing type thing. I think this is it. This is a really cool feature and I want to see yeah. it improve. Um, I mean, if you look at the pictures now, they look good. They don't look great. They look good, but it, exactly what I would expect though. Right. That's exactly what I would ex- expect. Yeah, but considering what they're working with, they look it's you know it's yeah here can can i make this bigger let's see yeah here we go yeah yeah i mean there's your comparison before and after at this point i'm kind of surprised people and i'm sure these are the ones that picked the computer generated pictures over the original ones but i mean if this is what all of them are doing all of these um instances of this ai are running on the on these pictures and that's what we're getting i mean that's that's pretty damn good that's yeah. really good. It's getting a lot of different details, different skin tones, different face shapes. Um, right. This is a very – and maybe they they cherry-picked here. Maybe it was like, oh, sure. okay, it's got to be Guaranteed. like a very centered picture. You can't really be, you know, off to the left or right. There can't be a lot of, you know, intense odd changes in color in the background, whatever. Needless to say, it's great technology. Let's see it improve. Right. Definitely. Now, before we go on to the next article here, I realized that I accidentally skipped an opportunity that I can't pass up. And before the show, like, just as an aside, Mr. Grislow said, oh, yeah. hey, give me like two minutes to say all the things I don't like about iOS 15. And I can't pass that up. So here's your two minutes of fame. Sure. So I think as of today, iOS 15, iPadOS 15, watchOS, whatever we're on, tvOS, all that stuff has been out. It's been out for a week. I've been working with it for a week. Actually, no, I think it's been two weeks. Um, 
Maybe it's one. Either way, I think okay. it's been one week. Um, I've been working with this stuff. And about as soon as I downloaded this, I realized exactly what I wasn't getting, and I felt very left out. For those of you who do not know, I have a very old phone. It's an iPhone 8. It's four years old as of this year. Um, apparently, and I didn't know this, a lot of these new cool features are the ones I was really looking forward to. You don't get with an iPhone 8. Um, and those include, on my list, have got to be uh, the new maps, specifically with lane and highway uh, detection where you can see on where you are on the highway and the directions you want to go on the highway. I do a lot of highway driving to go to work, to go back home, to go be with my family. It, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work for me. That, that makes me mad. Also, shared plays delayed. That kind of stinks. Um, finally, with uh, iOS, I, I don't have on-device Siri. I just don't have that. I was really looking forward really? to it. Apparently, for these features, not, not the share play, although I haven't looked into the uh, device qualifications of that yet just because it hasn't been released. Uh, for on-device Siri, you have to have a phone with, I believe, an A12 chip or newer. For those of you who don't know what that means, anything as an iPhone XS or newer gets these features. So that's something I was pretty mad about, and I wanted to rant about it. Also, the fact that after I sent that article, I looked at it more and read, that's weird. Why don't I get a keyboard on my watch from last year? The screen's barely smaller. The screen size is barely smaller. When they released the new watches, I was so mad when they were like, oh, it's going to have this great keyboard. I was like, oh, perfect. And then I looked, and I can't even get this stupid keyboard that I'm very upset that I don't get. Finally, I'll leave you with this yeah. just because I, I will not leave on a sour note. There is one thing so far about iOS 15, actually two things, that I really, really like. One is uh, the focus modes. I've actually been using the focus modes a bit. Um, I had one on for the weekend. Uh, it turned off anything related to work, so I would not get any notifications about work. So any work emails over the, the, the weekend, I didn't get. I don't need them till Monday. I'm not going to read them, so why would they bother me when I don't need to see them? That was really nice. Um, I have on, one on right now for podcasts. So I don't get anything from anyone else except for notifications from Discord and texts from the other two here on screen, which is really nice considering my mom and dad have tried to call me and text me while on the show, and it's messed with my uh, setup. So mom and dad, if you're watching this, and it'd be nice if you were, uh, please don't call me when you know I'm potting. And hopefully now with the focus mode on, you'll know when I'm potting. Um, but the one, the one other feature I did want to mention that I did like and fits You've had experience with this now personally, I believe, as of last night or two nights ago, um, is the ability to have FaceTime calls with a non-iOS mm. user. So we did a FaceTime call, what was it, two days ago? Yeah. And I called you out of the blue. I didn't even, like, tell you what was going on. And all it was is I wanted FaceTime, and, and I said, do a link. Make, create a link to have a new chat or have a new uh, uh, video call. And you just asked, it asked you who you wanted to send it to. And I sent it to, to Fitz and a few other people. And I had a call with Fitz and, and one other person at the same time. And it was great on my end. It was stable. Obviously, you could tell that it needs a little bit of an improvement. It's not perfect. Um, but for a first generation kind of feature, I thought it's pretty good. And I want to hear uh, from your side of things, Fitz, your experience. Right. And just to kind of add on with that, uh, a couple of the, the updates that I've heard from people who have bought the i the iphone 13 battery life is stellar and the cameras are really nice that's that's kind of what i've heard um so far yes but um as for the facetime thing i was surprised i was genuinely surprised how smooth it was on android 
wait for it, but it killed my battery. Like, killed my battery. Like, I, 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 I remember telling you, I started the call at 44%. We were on for, yep. what, maybe 20 minutes, if that? Yeah. I ended the call at 28%. So, like, it killed my battery. I could feel my phone getting hot with it, with, with FaceTime running. But... And the other thing that was kind of odd is you could only answer with a front-facing camera, at least for now, um, or yeah. maybe with my device or the way I have permissions yeah. set up. But in general, though, the call quality itself was pretty seamless. It was very, very um, responsive. Um, and I think it's a great first iteration. So hopefully they can improve upon this and make it more efficient. So. Yeah, I, I think what would make this better, and this is what I pushed for before, and I'll say it again, Apple, if you're listening, we hope you are. Um, and we know you're a big fan. <laughs> and we know you. We know you. You and Elon get um, together every Monday, share a bowl of popcorn, and watch the show. We know. Yes, of course. If, we're, if, if you're going to sell services to non-Apple users, and you're also going to try and push features on non-Apple users, you may as well make them a little more permanent. Let's see a dedicated, you know, Apple Music uh, app in, in Android stores. Let's see a dedicated FaceTime app in Android stores. If you want the service to be available, why not make it a little more available? To me, it would make a little more sense um, for the battery life sake if it was two, you know, FaceTime accounts uh, or FaceTime apps. My phone, I will say this on the other hand, was also a little hot. It's also four years old, but it was also a little hot. So... There is an Apple Music app for Android. I, I thought there was. Apple TV. Yeah. I stand corrected. Apple TV, there corrected. isn't, though. All right. There's no Apple well, TV Apple, one. if you're I... selling services, and and bind this in with your other services, get get some sort of FaceTime subscription, add it in with Apple Music and your Apple TV. There you go. I, I just made you a lot of money. Pay up, Apple. Come on. There you go. There I you go. I process that uh, the keyboard was only coming to the new watches. Yeah. I, I didn't process that. I, I would have not gotten a lot you. angrier earlier if I had realized that. That's how do you think I that think makes me feel, Ryan? Now I think that's just scummy. Yeah, like, yeah. It is. Now it seems you're clearly you, just trying to get people to upgrade their devices by banning this guy's app. So if you go to Apple's website, specifically in the uh, either the Watch OS or the new uh, Apple Watch page, there is a picture that shows, I believe, the Series Three all the way on the right. The Series 6 in the middle, the last one, which I have, and then the new Series 7, all the way on the left. And you can see there's a big difference in screen size between the 3 and the 6. But the difference between the 6 and the 7 is very minimal at best. So to, to really say that they need, like they legitimately needed that extra space, which is very minimal at all, just to have that keyboard is bogus. Let me tell you. Well, yeah. Well, once it, it comes back to what we were saying earlier, if they had just left the guy's app as it was, and then for the new one made their own keyboard, that would have been one thing. They didn't do that. They banned that, brought it to the new one to try and get people to upgrade, it looks like. Right. Well, now I'm this angry. was, don't forget. I wasn't don't angry forget. before. Now I get it. Don't forget, though. So this is two years ago. This is in 2019. This is just before they announced the Apple Watch that I have on. Fair. But they didn't do that for another year and a half. So yeah, right. to me, it should be it, it should be a feature I should be able to get on here. I don't know why it's an exclusive. 
Um, honestly, the Apple Watch updates this year didn't really get me that thrilled, to, to be honest with you. But and, and, and to Apple's credit, I will say this, and I kind of wish we had some more time to talk about this at some point um, in the future. I hope we do. Excuse me. Um, I'll say some short right now. I owe a, a massive apology to Apple. Apparently, these cameras are very different and much, much more improved than even I had understood at the time. And I was very um, skeptical about it. So I will, I will throw that apology their way on, on that part. Apparently, the cameras actually are are vastly improved over the last ones. Fine. What, you're we'll talking about the 13, right? Yeah. Well, right, 13 well, and 13. Yeah, 13, yeah, didn't, both. Honestly, both. They didn't the really cross that way. In, in fairness, all of us, I watched that whole thing. Yeah. They didn't really put it across like that. Right. I, so did I. <laughs> I, I. I mean, I know in, in years past, I had been very passive on the camera updates just because it seems like all they're doing is adding another um, another element into the, the lens or they're changing the aperture by like 0.1. It that just doesn't seem that much, like much of a light. difference. But allegedly this year's cameras actually are quite big of an update. And so I would like to in the future, maybe on like a quickie thing on uh, on our social media do some sort of like quick comparison or show like the differences this year or the new updates because apparently they actually are pretty significant that being said apple why did you do this to me all i wanted was a stupid little keyboard on my apple watch i didn't get it i didn't get any of the features you wanted me to have and scanner on the side of this phone and i didn't even get that either in the new phones this year and i'm holding out for next year and i swear to you i'm not upgrading my phone i actually just got a new case for my phone, it's the same one that I had before. It's just a new one. And they only sell like six <laughs> of these uh, still on Amazon. So I'm considering buying another one in the event that I have to get a new one. Because I think I got a new one like, I don't know, a year ago. But yeah, man. I uh, Those are my gripes with iOS 15. Apple, you did good in some areas. But do better. Please do better. <laughs> there you go. Matt Grislow has spoken. Matt Grizzle the fourth, mind you. But anyway, um, if you would have followed us on social media uh, today, you would have seen the teaser for our next article here. Um, Grizzle did a good job with this one. But long story short, um, England will be the first country to acquire new homes to include EV chargers. And this is a really interesting article. Um, I'm going to let Grizzle talk about this one. Um, but its it, title is relatively self-explanatory. Uh, so... We lose Ryan. Oh, there you go. There we go. Um, yeah. So the EU, it sounds like, is finalizing legislation to mandate uh, electrical vehicle, electric vehicle, geez, chargers, uh, be installed in brand new homes and offices. Uh, for the offices, it's like every five uh, spaces of regular car space, you have to have a charger. So if so let's say you have a, a brand new office building, you have twenty five spaces. You put in five uh, electrical vehicle chargers. Um, they're going to be mandating this for new construction. And uh, I definitely have my opinion on it. Um, I think it makes sense. It makes sense in this in terms of where it's being implemented. Apparently, they just don't have a ton of parking. Um, so it gives, it incentivizes, you know, people to park in those spots that would typically not be filled because um, you can use them to charge your, your, your car. Um, also, um, they're trying to go for really green uh, policies in 
the UK. And I believe starting in 2030, they're trying to ban or they have successfully by 2030 will ban uh, the sale of new combustion vehicles. So that makes sense in terms of where they are with this policy and why it might make sense for them. What I don't really understand or where I I start to disagree with this policy is at least over here in the States, I don't even know if it's a one in 10 adoption rate or a one in 10 of every cars on the road are electric sort of adoption rate. Um, I think it's very, even for like my own, let's say number I threw out there, one in 10, even that number I feel like is very based off of where I live, you know, the other areas I'm around. Um, and it's not, it might not be one in 10 in other places in the country. Um, so applying that to the United States um, and other countries, I, I do think it's a little bogus to re- require uh, a new uh, building, specifically a new uh, home to be, uh, to, to put in an electrical vehicle charger, just because the adoption is not really there yet. And it seems silly to me to mandate for someone to pay extra for a feature they're not even going to use in their home that is essentially just going to be there for the resale value. Um, and at that point, you can either do it then, um, you know, right before you, you you sell your house, put in an electrical vehicle charger to amp up the price, or you could just tell the people that they are they have connections uh, available, ready to go for when they want to install one at your home. Um, so for the next buyer. But I, I think it's kind of bogus in terms of like the freedom of uh, the home buyer. I think it makes sense for businesses. Um, it could be an incentive for new employees maybe, but. So according to um, Pew Research Center, uh, Europe is uh, currently has a 10% market share of all cars on the road being electric. So a cur- currently, which, which yeah, one in 10 thereabouts. Uh, US it's about, two percent so um what what is yeah yeah us it's about two percent um i also would attribute that to to just the construction of a lot of the country the countries um and the way that they their land works you mentioned like not having a lot of parking and stuff like that think about the us you have miles and miles and miles of nothingness and we need longer range and we need the ability to refill in random places more because it's just more spread out than almost sure. than almost anywhere to be honest. Exactly. That makes sense. And that's that's why I think that's such a a big difference with an EU law versus a US law. And yeah. num- number two, um well, and the EU's stupid, but I'll get to that. <laughs> number two, um I support Why am I not surprised? <laughs> I support the way that they're they're going about this in the sense that they just just throw a bunch of chargers in the mix and then the cars will come uh, as one of these things where as people realize that they're going to become more and more economical, um, they will eventually phase out gas stations and whatever all the oil producing cars and stuff like that. And think about going to work, charging your car, uh, going to the store, just plugging it in anyway. And then um, just like, yeah. I mean, in in my opinion, I think they they probably went about it a little too early, in my opinion, but I see what their intentions are. 
I'd be careful about quoting European statistics too, considering they're kind of cutting themselves off with uh, Brexit from the rest of the UK. Or not UK. Am I criticizing the UK or the European Union? Because they're different entities. So UK. Okay. Specifically England, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll yell at the European Union another time. Well, United Kingdom's England, it's Wales, uh, the northern bit of Ireland, uh, Scotland, I think. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I think this is more obvious. Uh, is that real? Is that 2030 thing really true? Because that's one of the dumbest ideas I've ever heard. Um, like that 2030 law to ban the sale of new combustion engines. I, for their sake, I hope there's an exception for like industrial purposes because construction equipment isn't going to switch to electric anytime soon. The UK, uh, the UK government and devolved governments predict that about 18 million battery and hybrid cars will be on the road by 2030 when a ban on the sale of new internal combustion engines is introduced, according to the Guardian. Yep. So, right. so that's stupid. Uh, they're also gonna <laughs> when that goes into effect, their economy is gonna get just slapped across the face. There's some because there's people who make their entire livings with a gas station and people who work at those gas stations. It's the whole mix of like how economic economies intertwine and how they work. But uh, it's to me, this is a stupid idea, especially if that ban thing in 2030 happens. How you're you're gonna ban the sale of new semis, incidentally, or semis, or however people pronounce that? I've gotten yelled at that from from multiple people. Really? So now, yeah, there's a correct pronunciation. Don't know what it is. You guys would I know what I mean? For sure. Uh, you're gonna ban the sale of new ones by doing that, and then you're gonna make transporting your goods around your country a lot harder. Uh. And a lot more expensive, or you're going to lose cars from the fleets and things will get retired because now they're going to need to buy new electric ones, which, let's face it, they're going to be more expensive, probably, I assume. I actually don't know what their cost comparison, so if someone wants to check me on that. But mm-hmm. as far as this present law goes, though, uh, I, I don't like it a lot for a couple reasons. The biggest one that goes straight to the front of my mind is okay, you've just destroyed any incentive to try and push down the price of a new of installing an electric car charger. Because now you've tied these people's hands behind their back. They have to buy one. So why would I reduce yep. my prices? You're going to buy it from me. You have to. Hmm. You don't have a choice. The government's putting a gun to your head and saying, do it or else you can't sell this. Not even sell it. To build it. Yeah. You can't build it without that. So why am I going to put down my prices? Why would I not try everything I can to keep them hot? Fair. It's not fair point. Like you have to hope competition is enough to make that a little cheaper. But the problem is, you know, it's the same problem that you get in with like uh, the internet here in the U.S., where they like stricture off places so that there's like local monopolies for internet companies. Hmm. So they just kind of agree not to tread into each other's territory and they can charge a lot of money for internet. I don't see why electric car charging wouldn't kind of go that route where they kind of say, Hey, none of us are going to go below this price. So we can all make out like bandits. Cause this is mandatory now. Interesting. Huh. 
I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know how knowledgeable you guys are on the subject. I know I'm not. Um, something I probably should be more knowledgeable on, just considering it would be more commonplace moving forward in the future. Um, but how does like when you go about installing a, a charger for an electric vehicle? Is there is it that there's some sort of central base station that's the same that you can always um, use, and then you swap out the plug for the different car, or do you have to have a completely different uh, machine or, or system for different cars for, let's say, like, you know, the Ford Mach-E versus a Tesla Model 3. Because if it is, if it isn't that way where you can interchange them that easily, it almost seems like a moot point to say, okay, you have to have an a, a electric car charger in your home. Because if they're not uh, super compatible with each other and there's not, like, a universal plug, then let's say you install, like, the Tesla one and, I don't know, Rimac goes gangbusters in the next like eight years especially in europe and all of a sudden someone's trying to move into a house with the rimac uh electric vehicle but the charger in the house is a tesla one nothing has to get ripped out for one that works the rimac and there goes the, with, the initial investment for that adapter that exist. initial uh yeah adapters house, exist because you know. we talked okay. we had a story where tesla was letting other car electric cars charge at their stations as for so there's got to be adapters <laughs> there's there's adapters oh, okay. that exist right. i'm right. just not sure about the the way the car itself can be cross compatible you know what i mean like yeah. if, if it's expecting x amount of current and x amount of voltage can it also accept x amount excuse me x amount of current and x amount of voltage that other producer provides so I, yeah, I don't know. And, like, and that's, they generally call that negotiation. You have that with right. the phone mm -hmm. and the different bricks. We have to kind of negotiate what power you're going to send it. And that's where you get like, if I try to plug, for example, my phone charger into an iPhone, it's going to charge the iPhone at like five watts because it doesn't have a compatible like way to send the most system, current. So it's going to default to the minimum. Yeah. Right. I mean, well, I, I can see it being a problem. Oh, sorry, Ryan. That was Matt. Oh no, you're you're good. I well, I definitely see it being a problem going forward when we talk about this being installed in in current like new homes. Um, I don't know, ten years from now, let's say this, the law is in effect. A new house is built in 2022. It has this charger. I don't know, ten, twelve years from now, because it seems to be around time people move houses. I don't know, fifteen, twenty years. Um, the technology is going to change such that there could either a uh, need to be a completely new form of uh, charger plug uh, or B the most likely uh, thing that we see with phones year after year, the power supply is not big enough or it's not beefy enough to adequately charge what it's trying to charge, i.e. the car. So you could essentially be putting in a car charger now for an, an investment into the future that is really either obsolete or worthless because it's like slow charging your car when you need it to either be charged up quicker it has higher, higher energy density, whatever. Um, it, it to me just doesn't make sense, especially in terms of, of that kind of aspect, of the argument to have to mandate new construction, considering people don't only, really, I mean, it might be different in Europe, but at least here in the States, people don't really, you know, turn over in their homes every, even 10 years. Right. And technology changes that's, a lot. That's a well, yeah, uh, well, We'll have to see. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I want to see how this pans out. I want to oh, see. I'm not done. I have a whole oh. other uh -oh. spiel that I'm about to get into because you pop something off in my mind. Uh, 
Yeah, this doesn't affect old homes. Uh, it's the same with like their used cars are going to go up in price a lot because they're going to be the only ones that work on gas now. And it's going to go up in price because there won't be new combustion engines going in. It's going to be new electric ones. But also, uh, this is going to, I don't know the exact state of England's housing market. Um, I imagine it's not great. I'm pretty sure there's some like supply issues with like places from other countries buying out things. There's some issues with like they're about to accept a ton of people from Afghanistan or whatever. So there's like some supply issues there. And then you're going to make new houses more expensive that way. And you're going to hurt. And it's it's the funny like irony of a lot of these like big hard regulations you put in uh, by requiring that you're going to drive up like by percentage, most significantly, lower, lower priced homes. That's what's going to go up uh, yeah. the most significant percentage wise, which will hurt the people trying to buy them. Oh, yeah. That's, that's functionally who is going to get hurt by the bill. Not You're not going to hurt a $2 million mansion where what's another 5, 10K, what's another 20K? I don't know how much it costs to install a charger. Probably right. like, what, 5K sounds thereabouts yeah about right assuming yeah. you're running a line directly from the the panel probably yeah some yeah that's not gonna it's gonna be no sweat off like a two million dollar mansion but like i don't know uh like the bare minimum uh and to put this in uh what is it english price is a 90 pound house well now all of a sudden that's a significant percentage true or at least a percentage of it. So it does end up hurting anyone who's buying a cheaper house. Yeah. Yeah, because now, I mean, yeah, because everything is now going to, to need to have this. So. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Well, we're definitely going to have to keep an eye on that. And I, I wonder what, I'll, I'll, we'll have to come back to this in like two years down the road when uh, we have episode like 336 um, and <laughs> go over this again and see if this actually did make a difference and if housing prices are higher. Three years, assuming every Monday would only put us at about 180. Wow, that gives me a, a lot of sadness. <laughs> but <laughs> No kidding. But six weeks in a year, right? Oh, yeah. Duh. Yeah. Yeah, pro tip, I'm not good at mental math. Oh, by then we're going to be doing them three days a week. Yep, definitely, because we'll have a bajillion subscribers. There we go. Exactly. Exactly. All righty. Uh, next article we have for you, I want to get your guys' opinion on. Microsoft accounts can now go passwordless, um, basically using Microsoft Authenticator to provide a one-time passcode or an authorization as opposed to just putting in a password. So you get a little text on your phone saying like, hey, is this you? Are you trying to sign in? You click yes or no, and then you, you get in. Um, they call that two-factor authentication, um, but it's not two-factor if you take out one of the factors, in my opinion. So... <laughs> I like it. I like it. Okay. I'll be honest. I don't like typing out passwords. I just don't. Um, it, not to mention, you know, I mean, not that it's not obvious. It's a security issue. Do you have a password? It, it's it's known with 
hard data. It's hard to crack, uh, you know, someone's device that's got biometrics, um, security, two-factor fa- two authentication makes it more difficult. Traditional two-factor authentication makes it more difficult. Um, I like this move. I, I, I like it. I don't like passwords. I don't like, um, more than that, I don't like having to change passwords um, and having to juggle all of that too. So taking one more thing out of that and making it a little more safe um, from, for me and my device, I like it plain and simple. Interesting. Anecdotally. <laughs> I know someone whose brother got like something hacked because their password was like capital P and like the at sign, like some dollar, dollar signs, signs in there. Like yeah. that was their password. Right. So obviously <laughs> that got hacked. This would cut down on those kind of things. Uh, I never want to see this be A, the default, and B, uh, the only thing. Because you are removing a layer of complexity that does make it harder to hack. Right. Because now you have to guess or crack their other password, and you have to crack their two-factor authentication. Right. So it does remove a layer of complexity, but it hopefully cuts down on those kind of stupid like i want to say yeah stupid people because i'll be honest stupid or ignorant one or the other yeah yeah but if your password is password and you get hacked you know surprise pikachu face you know there you go (laughs) right well that's interesting i i definitely think that um we'll we'll see what what pans out with that i don't want other companies to follow suit personally um but I do understand where Microsoft's coming from, making it easier for their users. Alrighty, next story I have for you today. Uh, <laughs> this has been shared to me multiple times, and they are like, you need to cover this on the show. And <laughs> cue the, we're not financial advisors here, but, not a advisor, the, but... there's a lot of tech in this this uh, this article here. Um, Mr. Gox, the crypto trade, the uh. crypto trading hamster is beating human investors. Long story short, a hamster named Mr. Gox, uh, is trading cryptocurrency. Basically he rolls on the wheel, kind of like wheel of fortune in a way to just kind of like pick a, pick a stock ticker and then goes through either one of these buy or sell tunnels that were laser cut out of some wood to actually execute the transaction, which is cool and all, but he's beating, uh, his lifetime career performance is up about 20% beating many professional traders And it doesn't end there. The other side note is Mr. Gox's owner here decided to release a uh, trading card NFT for uh, the hamster. So he now has NFTs. So there's our obligatory NFT article for today. But I don't don't know about this. I want to get your guys' opinion. I think this is honestly just kind of fun, kind of stupid kind of techie uh i i appreciate the the i appreciate the broadcast that this guy does with whenever the hamster is quote in the office uh where he he runs an entire twitter account he broadcasts all the highlights on twitch uh like when he buys or sells something and or like picks a new stock ticker like i i just like the technology from that point of view 
Go ahead. Sure, I have a handful of thoughts on this. (laughs) A big handful. Uh, It can seem to me like the crypto market does seem very random. I get that, like, inclination. Although you can guess trends pretty well, but, like, meme coins, for example, are completely unpredictable and it just hurts. Like, I'm staring down something called Shiba Inu right now. It's a meme coin meant to be the next evolution of Doge. Do I get this? Like, is this going to pop off because people are going to meme on it? I don't know. Like, it, it's painful, a lot of the stuff that you get into cryptos. Uh, I think causality on this might be reversed. Interesting. I don't think he's made 20% because the hamster made good choices. I think the hamster made 20% because there's a lot of memesters in the crypto community who probably watched this. And when the hamster Dude. buys, they buy as a joke. <laughs> uh... I think the causality is reversed a little bit. Interesting. I, I, like I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how way long more, expect. way more. Yeah. Than this stupid hamster is making financial <laughs> decisions. If you've if you spent any time in like crypto Reddit, crypto like Twitter, crypto like discords and all that, it is it's insane. Like the amount of just memes and just like. I don't care if I lose my money. This is stupid and funny. Let's go. Like that <laughs> attitude is everywhere. Right. Uh, as far as the NFT tokens go, I've I've kind of come down on I don't like NFTs so much anymore. I've come down pretty hard on them for anything but like art or like very specific things cuz like for example I was laughing about this to myself earlier because I was watching like a YouTube thing where they had bought an Ethereum NFT called a brick. And they had lost like 20K after buying a brick for like $50,000. And I was just laughing at that because like for non like art purposes, NFTs to me are completely inscrutable. Hmm. Well, if you want to buy a Mr. Gox NFT... You better cough up ten Ethereum or about thirty grand for one. Ethereum at three K right now. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. About right. two point nine. So, so you you, you oh, lost wow. me when you you lost me when we started talking about a hamster deciding uh, crypto uh, tradings. You, you, I'll be honest, you just lost me in the pre-show <laughs> and now. Uh, you got me back. <laughs> when you mentioned nfts because we haven't talked about nfts in like i don't know maybe four weeks if not more and then you totally awesome when you told me the value of those nfts i uh, this this whole thing is just stupid uh i i i think nfts can be interesting if they serve a purpose artistically um in, in terms of you know what what current events whatever this is stupid <laughs> this this is like and, and, and mind you just 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 to put this into context i've talked about like 8-bit art before as nfts which which holds no value in my own life it, it carries no meaning for most people and I still, I think, argued in the case that those could possibly be valuable one day and that it's interesting. This is just plain stupid. You say that now until they give him his own coin. Right. 
Honestly, well, be Gox coin probably. He's gonna get a. He's gonna get you know an Ethereum based I, coin, and it's gonna pop I, off. Watch. I feel like in the future. <laughs> I know how this works. I, I I feel like in the future, instead of you know getting someone like a a star named after you, you're gonna get a new cryptocurrency <laughs> named after you. I mean, they're easy to create. I've done it many times. So. <laughs> Yeah, buy 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 Fitzcoin. It's worth absolutely nothing. <laughs> but creating good ones with good structures for like managing and moving things—that's difficult, right? There's yeah, already my... like predefined things that you can tread in the path of, but because you don't have that like first to market value, they tend not to pop off unless it's unless someone finds it a joke or a meme or something and they pump it. Right. Up, but... It's it's all a meme. Yeah, completely. I mean, I'm I'm not arguing with you on that. This, this, is, this, I, this is specifically silly. is a meme. I stand by that. I love crypto. I think it's cool. I think it has a lot of excellent uses. Uh, I'm very much on the whole fiat is bullshit train. I've ridden that for a while. <laughs> Brian, but, uh, you're just gonna end up being like a caveman with no way to be hacked because you probably want technology, and your currency is gonna be like fish. I feel like. Yeah, it's called a barter trade system. The Earth existed on it for literally thousands of years. Hey, Ryan, this is going to be you in like 20 years. You're living in the Alaskan wilderness. Free from the like government Man shot today after someone suspected he was Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway. Oh, uh, man. The... Let's, get, let's get to some more productive stuff. I feel like I just lost brain cells in this article. Well, here's something. Here's why part of the reason why you'd want to leave in the woods is a wonderful company that we all know and love, or not not so much love, called Facebook. Uh, Facebook uh, rolled out a new feed change that blocks watchdogs and other researchers from gathering data on their website. Now, Ryan, I believe you sent this one in, I, I think. Um, so I'm yeah, going to hand it over, yeah. over to you on this one because this is a really interesting article. Yeah, uh, I'll be real brief in the summarization. It's based to me. It's just basically like, hey, we're because they had a couple of scandals and incidents where companies had taken that. Uh, I forget what the most recent ones was. We covered it two weeks ago. The um, what they did the, with the data. They researchers they got for it. Researchers trying yeah. to find, I think, political views or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they, and I'm they're sure they got banned too. for that. Yeah, yeah. They got banned for that. There was that company who did the advertisements where they just like guess stuff about you and were usually right and they got banned. I'm not surprised Facebook is doing this. Uh, it is plainly self like interested in self beneficial. Like they're trying to like stop other people from being able to like make sense of the data that Facebook is collecting on you by, if I remember correctly, they're adding a bunch of nonsense like. I don't know, lorem ipsum or whatever, all around right. HTML or so here. Not let, actually lorem ipsum. Let me see. Ipsum, but like, I can actually show. Yeah. What How what they're, they're meaning here? Whatever. Here, so I'll 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 switch over to browser real quick. So if go you if you notice, I'll I'll go into the login here. So you can see if we go into the browser here, I have the code for Facebook website pulled up right next to the thing, and you can oh, see you how there's. Fair. What? You came prepared, damn. Yeah. Um, so you can see all of this just random gibberish here that they're that they're doing to basically make it harder 
for people to find where the login form is, where the password form is. And once you are logged in, they're doing the same thing where they're adding all these random characters and all this random stuff to prevent the bots that these companies code to actually find the data that they're looking for. So they're trying to prevent all of this, this stuff from being able to pull out like in, in any other web development or web, any other website, this, this little class here, this would be like class login dash button. And when you write a bot, you would code in basically find login dash button. So that's kind of, kind of what Facebook is doing here. So. Yeah. And they're doing it to make it really hard to like parse out what they're tracking, uh, what everything does, how the ads are managed and all that. And they're doing it, I think explicitly so that people can't do these like double checks on them to see like, Hey, what are they collecting? What are they doing here and there? And I get why they're doing it because Facebook is sketchy. I think that is the kindest way of putting it. Uh, my favorite joke is Facebook can figure out when you poop specifically because they know when you, cause they got your location. So they know when you're leaving, say a desk or when you're leaving your house or whatever, they have a good idea of when you eat, if you go out to eat or stuff like that, hmm. they have a good idea when you move and all that. There's a lot of like small things where I'm willing to bet they could guess within about five minutes of when you pooped. I mean, also because I post about when I poop, but that's that's another story. <laughs> that's not. Um, that's that's, just, that's a free. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm just... here all till till the end. So you're you're stuck with me. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're here just trying you. to. They're trying to do everything they can to slip under that radar so people can't like check them like that. And do these things where they're kind of exposing to Facebook, or not to Facebook, exposing Facebook to people. Hey, this is what they're doing. They're gathering all this data. This is what they're tracking and figuring out about you. And thereby, there can't be that public outcry, hope in their minds anyway. So, right. Get Congress to do something about that. The other thing that I wanted to bring up that the article also brings up a little bit too, and granted, this is a very biased article written from the point of view of a researcher that got shut yeah. down. But the other thing they bring up too is people with, with disabilities who use screen reading software and who use any form of accommodation to be able to browse Facebook. Uh, they're saying that these changes make it harder for that person to know what's going on on that page. So... I don't know. Maybe that could open up uh, a can of worms Ooh, there. A lawsuit. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, very clearly to me, this is Facebook's way of just trying to save themselves. I think in the article too, it mentions that uh, one of the reasons that originally one of the, the reasons this article was written was because um, a, a company gathered data on Facebook, and when Facebook unveiled their unveiled their their data analytics. For some category of data, um, these researchers had the actual data to prove that Facebook was not publishing the right numbers and then yeah. asked for clarification as to why those numbers were so different that they published versus the ones that they found themselves. Um, and then a sort of retaliatory attacks came um, at them from Facebook and they put in measures essentially to protect themselves um, and I don't know if it's to keep them from like self-incriminating, um, yeah. 
to, to keep people from, you know, digging too deep into what they're doing. I don't like it at all. Um, I, I am a big advocate for uh, big tech transparency. And to me, this is the absolute opposite of it. The amount of times Facebook has even been in court or even uh, not, not in court, just in but in, yeah, in, in Congress, in a live session of Congress for a hearing or a testimony over the past 12 to 24 months over, you know, shady policies that they have or data that they are or aren't gathering. And the answers that they give or Mark Zuckerberg gives is either vague uh, or just non-answers. Yeah. Uh, it, it just really, it's oh, too convincing God. to me that they're they're just very unwilling to give up anything about their platform that could potentially deem it as harmful, not just for you know people like you and me, but for people with um, negative images of their own bodies, of of um, that have negative impacts on kids, how they see themselves. It's um, like you're reading our next story. In terms of likes and comments, it's it's <laughs> absurd. It's absurd. I, I know exactly what's next, and I'm not trying to play into this too much, but um, you know it. It's not that it begs the question, what are they doing? I think it really should be driving us to the front of the conversation. Why Why? Are, why is Facebook being allowed to do this without going – they're essentially doing this going unchecked. Why are we yeah. letting them go unchecked like this? There is no other company that does this, or at least that we're aware of. Uh... And if they did, we would we would lambast them, and so would the media. They would get a lot of scrutiny. It doesn't seem like – it doesn't seem like – they're getting you know as much scrutiny as they as they should be yeah facebook just looks like bad when they do this but for sure google does this as well uh twitter's been dragged before congress oh yeah for twitter i don't think it's data collection it's usually them pretending they're a platform or something like that when they're very clearly publisher it's yeah that's a whole other intersection with like section 127 of the open internet communications act or something like that that's not here nor there but Facebook isn't the only one. It's just they're an obvious one, and they kind of do it. They dig themselves a lot of holes. Right. But, yeah, like you were saying, by doing this, they're kind of insulated themselves from people double-checking their numbers short of getting a court to, like, move a lawsuit into the discovery phase where they can request their documents. Right. And good luck considering Facebook's law budget. No kidding. Honestly. Well, they've uh, really proven that um, with the next article that we have for you today. Um, Facebook, once again, uh, coming under fire over secret research on Instagram's effects with teenagers. So long story short, they've been criticized um, by the Wall Street Journal. And and uh, basically, the Wall Street Journal says that studies showed teenagers blamed Instagram for increased levels of anxiety and depression. Uh, the Wall Street Journal's report, not dis- which wasn't disputed, says that uh, uh, 2019 presentation internally said we make body image issues worse for one in three teenage girls. Um, another slide said teenagers blamed Instagram for inc- increased levels of anxiety. Um, in 2020, 32% of teenage girls surveyed said they felt bad about their bodies and Instagram made them feel worse. Uh, the next statistic is very terrible and i'm not going to read that out loud but it has to do with uh um people ending it um and basically they conducted a bunch of focus groups to find out what the problem was but 
it's it's one of these things why where how come we don't hear about this why why isn't this uh like top page news i mean i i it was on the news for uh I believe like a day or something like that, where it was like, Oh, this study came out saying like this, this is bad. But then all of a sudden it's just sure. under the rug. Like don't hear about it again. Bye-bye. How do you spread that story? Do you use social media? Oh, wait, the story that social media is harming people. Oh, wait, <laughs> <laughs> hmm. let me have a think about this. <laughs> it, again, it is it, a mess. It's Facebook covering their butts. Yeah. And the reason why you asked Fitz the answer to that question, special interests. That's it. That's all it is. Yeah. Yes. And not just that, but also, a, you know, a news station is not going to keep running the same story for 12 hours, 24 hours. Maybe if it's a big story like, you know, Afghanistan just got taken over by the Taliban. Uh, um, oh. Yeah. Um, There's that thing is wild if you ever look into it. Let's, uh, it's, it's not a politics. This isn't, about this isn't a political my, my, my point being, but my, my point being, Yeah, yeah. My, my point being, Sorry. you know, a, a news station is not going to run the same story for over 24 hours unless it has, like, ground. Yeah. It's, it's, got, it's got big ramifications. Or it has a lot of Facebook, updates. I started about Facebook like that. So, so after 12 hours, there's some new story out about, you know, the Prince of England who now lives, or whatever his name is, Harry. Um, the Prince of Wales, whatever he is. I mean, like, it, yeah, it's yeah. just how news cycles work. It's, right. It's, it's very it's bad. Very the bad. Literal redheaded. But it's just how it works. <laughs> it's just how it works. And Allegedly, let me cover myself legally. <laughs> there you go. But anyway, but uh, mind if I go at it real quick? Go at it. I have absolute. I don't. I don't really doubt that uh, there's a pretty high correlation between social media and like people just feeling terrible in general uh a large part of that is because everyone lies on social media and they want to like portray all the best aspects of themselves and their lives on it and you that's all you get to see about that you don't get to see like how their lives actually are what most of their day consists of and all that you just see what most of your day consists of and you probably compare it to like the uh peaks of someone else's life Versus the like peaks and valleys of someone else's life. Uh, yeah, get, honestly, get off social media it, unless it's our post. If it's our post, get on social media. If it's tech talk nation, <laughs> you better be there. There you, you go. It right. Maybe no, disengage. I mean, I... A, step back from it and disengage a little bit. It makes yourself. It makes you less stressed. It makes you happier. At least in my experience, I've. I'm almost non-existent on it since like freshman year of college probably yeah i i understand that i mean i so i was never big on social media until college and it was very it was very uh intentional i did it because leading up to college i realized that i was taking a lot of pictures of just like things i was never taking pictures of myself or with other people so i thought okay i never really had a social media presence ever and it's hilarious going back and seeing people who's had a social media presence that who are our age who have had a social media presence since like, I don't know, sixth grade. It's hilarious. Anyway, I thought it'd be cool to sort of document my college experience through Instagram. It's all picture-based and, um, you know, it, it's a really good source of going back and seeing what, what was happening at the time. Um, looking back on those four years, I think I'm four and a half years. It was a good idea 
Um, but I, I'm kind of glad it was kind of just a four and a half year deal. Since graduating college, I've pretty much been absent minus a few times posts from social media. Um, I feel like now when I'm on Instagram specifically, um, because it's pictures, I almost feel overwhelmed. I got to the point where I think when I was in college, it was almost because I was taking, I, I was, I was inadvertently feeling overwhelmed and in the back of my mind, I just saw it as, oh, I'm seeing all these people do really cool things and take cool pictures with cool colors and backgrounds and destinations. I want that. I want to do that. And it kind of made me seek out for a lot of those opportunities. And while it made for a lot of cool experiences and memories and pictures, there were definitely times where it was driven by just like likes um, on a post. I, I don't care about those now. I just post things just to keep people who I can't see updated on my life. And especially now in a pandemic with people who some people I have not seen in close to two years, um, it's a way for people to stay connected. And that's how I see it now, more than anything else. So, so yeah, I definitely... I consider I, this an exception. I mean, I, I can definitely sympathize and also relate to the idea that it's uh, social media, specifically picture-based social media, like Instagram is pushing the sort of like um, standard or, or it kind of incentivizes people to get cool pictures and stuff. There's all kinds of... You, you read about it all the time. There's people who are literally dying because they're like, trying to take a selfie you know hanging off of a, a moving train or at the top of like a building or, or hanging off a building you know like Ugh. it that and that makes it's it's more sad than anything else that stuff happens but right to wrap things up Dude. here um for, for my kind of take on it yeah i i can personally speak from personal experience how social media can affect people and drive your decision making and now not being on it much it makes me a bit more happier Maybe not that I'm off it, but just that, like, it's not a motivating factor in my everyday life. I'm not always thinking about it. Um, I definitely get a semblance of peace when I'm not on it. Yeah. Right. Dude, if you've, like, seen people going to concerts, they don't – they're not at the concert. Their phone's at the concert because that's all they're focusing on is their phone. Yep. It drives me insane. I remember I, I did that once, and it was for a Trans-Siberian Orchestra concert during around Christmas time. <laughs> and it, I was just In so fast. In all fairness, fast. it doesn't sound like they're putting on much of a show. They're probably just sounding really good. I mean, they sound really good, but their yeah. their their theatrics and their their oh, there's theatrics. They they have theatrics. They have pyro. They have lighting. They have highly recommend going to see the show. Honestly, I think they're coming around this year too. But anyway, um, <laughs> I was so enthralled by like all of the technical aspects of the show that I missed the show. And, yeah. and it's the same thing where people are enthralled by the, the singer, the person. They're trying to get the best yeah, picture of them with the person. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like, take a pic, take a picture with, like, the people you go to the concert with, like, right before it starts, and then watch a concert. Right. And, and it's crazy to me that people have to sit there and be like, I have to put this on my Instagram story, my Snapchat story, and all that. Ugh. I mean, I, I didn't even publish it to that. But when you're living your entire life on a screen, trying to capture every moment, not no, living no, no. in the moment, that's where I find problems with People it. Especially like when you go to a baseball a game. Drive me insane. For me, it's when you go to like a sports event and they're trying to get like I don't know the last out for a pitcher or a you know a batter or of the game, and it's it like they've taken five takes at this point. 
they've gone through seven pitches or whatever. And they're not actually watching the game. They're just recording it. And they don't really even like, they're not present. Um, Right. So, so be present people live in the moment. There Uh, you go. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this a little more with our next article introduced here. You mentioned staying present. You mentioned um, watching out. There's a lot of issues with body positivity and uh, these these centralized kind of standards of, of an Instagram post about that. How about that for kids? Um, Facebook thinks it's a good idea. Um, but then with all the backlash, they decided to pause that idea. Basically, um, Facebook was developing an app called Instagram for kids, basically that is designed to be quote, a safe, safe for tweens. Um, but they, they basically say, Oh, we're going to stop and talk to safety experts and whatever. Um, they want, they think it's a healthier version to design an app for tweens that parents have the option to give their kids access to. And I'm not sure if this is a number one, a cover up for the last article that we, we talked about or number two, just their version to try and um, get more money out of a demographic that they've betrayed almost. So I'll, I'll, I'll open with this. The idea to create an app or version of your app specifically for kids is not new and it's, not something we haven't seen before. YouTube did the same thing um, and it worked, but it did lead to a big scandal um, or series of scandals where content that was not, that that was maliciously made to game the algorithm to be shown to kids that was harmful to kids was being pushed to kids. So like Spider-Man and Elsa, you know, a video by Spider-Man and Elsa. How could oh, that be bad? And then they end up doing some things that, you know, story. and they're doing some things that kids should be watching. Um, the first two things I think of when I hear about this YouTube, not YouTube, Instagram for kids app is good. I like there's some sort of um, check on how much time you stay on there or the settings or configurations for the app in general. Fine. Especially in your most formative years for tweens, you know, the 12s and 11-year-olds, that's good. But knowing what I do know about what happened with YouTube kids a few times, um, and it wasn't just one-offs, it was a few channels, um, I I can definitely understand from the other side of the coin how this could be not much of like a – Essentially, it's a it's a it's a bag of empty promises, um, and not entirely filled with empty promises, but just enough that you know things either will slip through the cracks or things won't go as planned, and they're either going to start, I mean, the worst possible thing, rec- excuse me, recommending like adult content to kids or like content that shouldn't be seen by kids to kids, um, specifically anything that deals with like um ads uh I, I think it's actually really hard to to stop especially right now with influencers because all you really i think have to do is especially instagram is like hashtag ad um and there was a big uh, debate for a big amount of time like resp- influencers have a responsibility to make it very obvious if they're 
trying to sell you something in a uh, paid ad post. So I think this actually could muddy the waters even further um, for a Instagram for kids that could make it more problematic. Just a quick note is the hashtag ag, a hashtag ad, I think does put like a watermark disclaimer under it. Like this is promoted content. Right. At least for Instagram. I don't get a lot of it. So I wouldn't know. <laughs> it Usually it's very clearly an ad. Yeah. Um, I, I don't follow a lot of, I don't follow any influencers. I, hate I don't think. Yeah. But yeah. I, <laughs> right. But it, it's, it's in my opinion, I think it's Facebook trying to um, recapture the trust of the parents mainly um, being like, Hey, you could control this. It's with your kids. You can, you can control what they see. And l- you mentioned all of the, the issues that come about that with, with having this content that may not be as curated as you'd like. Um, but it, it's one of those things where, I'm not sure if it's even going to get as far to get like a beta app or some sort of development version yeah. because I just don't see how people will even let it get that far. There's so much public outrage over even them wanting to do this to try to fix this problem. Many people say it's only going to make it worse. Well, yeah. Do you want to just say like, hey, yeah, I trust Facebook to decide what my kids should or shouldn't see? It's like, really? You, you, you trust Mark Zuckerberg for that? Well, it's, not just, it, it's <laughs> not just trusting Mark Zuckerberg, though. I mean, I know, if, if, we wanna, if, if we want to believe I'm it's all, you know, like... curated content, then it's all based off of what you search. So at that point, it's just limiting the expansiveness of which you can peruse social media mm-hmm. but even before you search anything it's gonna have like the top of the week like features and all that stuff that's how it happens usually well in an know. app that's targeted for kids maybe take that out yeah, or maybe or maybe it's you know but then which it's just it, the money stick. yeah let's let's yeah. Think, let's think about Unless this they're looking at it as a pipeline to main facebook which they might be to be honest yeah facebook is only motivated by money so how are they going to make money off of this? What what are they going to do? What what are they going to change from the Instagram experience yeah. that will be designed for well, kids to make money? It's a pipeline. It's a pipeline to Facebook. It's a pipeline to Instagram to make sure they're not going to another platform. I but mean, besides that, I don't think ahead. Facebook knows what my kid should. Or I don't have a kid, obviously, but my hypothetical kid. I don't think Facebook knows what they should or shouldn't see. I don't think Facebook's going to do a good job of like doing any of that. So why in the first place would I let my kid on that? And why would they make it? It's a really baffling thing. Like, I don't think Facebook, I, I don't trust them at all to know what, what, what they should be doing with that or what would be the correct way to do it. Right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like, what do you guys think? I mean, we're all in our 20s. By the end of the decade, it's very possible that we could all have fam- our own families married yep. with kids. Um, none of which I, I don't think would be old enough by the end of <laughs> the, the decade. But I pose this question just because, you know, we're getting 
we're not, we're not that old. Let's be honest here. We're getting to age where it's like, all right, well, young you got you to gotta start thinking about the possibility of having a family. So with that being said, I mean, what would you guys do with your kids for social media? Like, what do you guys, what do you guys, what are your plans for your kids when they, when they start getting older to that age? Let's say like, I don't know. Oh, honestly, I can't even say that age anymore because everything's getting like every, every age, you know, requirement it's going down. I feel like, especially with the early, the earlier entrance of technology and, and social media, quite frankly, into people's lives. Um, well, what do you guys? What are your thoughts on like as parents? What are you guys gonna do with your your kids and social media? Are you gonna let them go on? Like you gonna make them like okay? okay Ryan, you want to you want to go first? Social media, yes, so I see you post. Like, what are you guys? What are you guys gonna do? As no parents, technology, as dads. no social media, nothing. It's honestly terrible for you. I'll probably like. I still want a kid to have a computer and learn those skills. But if they want to do something on it that I don't want them to do, they're going to have to get really clever. That is exactly what I was going to say. So I'm either going to raise a kid who doesn't suffer from any of that and who just has a normal life, or they're going to get really good at manipulating technology and be a genius. Yep. That's exactly, that's (laughs) That's my thought. Honestly, yeah, you're right. And that's in, in a way kind of, the experience I had growing up, I had a computer literally wedged right in the corner of this room that I'm, I'm talking to you from. Um, and it was windows 95 PC and my, it wasn't connected to the internet or anything. And I had a couple of computer games that I installed on it. And basically my dad said, you want it to do something else, make it do it. And that's kind of, kind of how it works. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I had a make it work. Of, I didn't have a I don't think I had like a proper computer for quite a while. But uh M- granted mine was the didn't... the old like the the yeah. three generation old family computer that we had at that point. But yeah, so I just didn't interact with technology much for like until high school when I whatever fell in love with it and decided I'm going to be a computer engineer. But regardless of that it's I'd still like I I don't think games are like a big big issue. I think they can be. I think there's, yeah, loot boxes and all that are a whole, like, psychological rabbit hole to go down. But there are upsides to games. They do help with strategic thinking. There's some hand-eye coordination stuff that it helps with. Uh, Stuff like that. That there are some benefits when you're not doing it 50 hours a week, obviously. Right. So, like, you know, I don't think you want to starve a kid from technology, but there's a lot of stuff where, like, I think you have to get really clever with, like, parental blocks and stuff and knowing how technology works and how you can, like, let someone still grow and use skills with it, but without, like, I don't know, prematurely exposing them to a lot of stuff that they might not have the maturity or, like, the mental capacity to deal with yet. Yeah. I think, I think at least for me, I'm not quite sure what I would do, but for sure I would do this. Um, because if there's anything, if, there, if there's one thing that like I can at least take from my parents, it's what they told me for social media. It's not a smart idea to have social media when you're young, or at least incredibly young, let's say before high school, because you will ultimately and very, very obviously and expectedly 
Um, you're going to post stuff you are either going to regret in the future um, or that other people are going to see and judge you off of in the future, no matter if you like that or not. Um, now, when you're talking about a 10-year-old in Twitter, that might not be much. Um, but let's say six years out from then, you're a sophomore in high school and there's an election year coming up. And you're getting fired up about something. I mean, hey, I'm all for advocating your th your side of things or whatever or not. Um, but you got to be careful just because of how people perceive you online and, you know, what, what things stay out there or not. Um, right. I deleted my Twitter because one of my old Twitters because my brother kept on digging up pictures of me from high school. Now, I, I had it in high school and I needed it in high school for, for sports to get notifications, whatever, for uh, volleyball. But I I wish I could take back some of those pictures and just like the dumb stuff that I posted. So if there's anything I could, you know, I could um, give to my kids. It's just the the guidance and the intelligence that whatever you have to post at 10 years old is stupid. It probably you'll you'll probably regret it in about three years to four years to five years for sure in six to seven, and that anything you put on the internet is permanent. It doesn't matter if you delete it from somewhere. Um, sure. If you post it somewhere, you'll be able to find it. Um, I cringe at a lot, especially of with stuff. time machines and stuff. Yeah, that's true. The way back. That's my advice. Yeah, that'd be my advice. To my I kids. cringe at a lot of old stuff I've posted, but I like don't. I'm not terribly embarrassed at it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was a dumb kid, whatever. I mean, like, yeah. I'm talking about the kids who got Facebook. 14-year-old, like, 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 three years after it came out. Or, like, Twitter. I had one. Two years early. after it came out. I had that when they were early, like, early. Seven, eight years I regret ago. too much. Right. Well, before we go into our rabbit hole here of all of the social media regrets that we all have, um... Is there any other closing thoughts we want to have today before uh, we close out the show? Happy get fall. Your off, get your kid off social media. Give him a hug. Yeah. Hug <laughs> your kids. Stay, be in the moment. Give yeah. If, if today's episode yeah. taught you anything, it's get off your phones, be with your family, be with your friends. It's fall. Um, bear down. It's football season. Know. And thanks <laughs> for listening to Tech Talk something. Nation. I don't know. <laughs> all, all i whatever hear they do in fall. yeah what, whatever they do in an fall. apple get a pumpkin i don't know <laughs> drink some apple cider um make yeah. it make it fun for the Ooh, adults actually. uh <laughs> well, apple picking yeah pumpkin patches there Come you on. go there you go well Anyway, thank you so much for watching this episode of Tech Talk Nation. Um, I enjoyed this episode. I hope you did. Um, tune in next week for more of us uh, talking about some of the latest tech news. So with that, hope you have a wonderful night and see you next week. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to Tech Talk Nation. Tune in next week for more discussion on the latest in tech.